thought, you know what? There's not any races any time in the near future. So let me try something different. And so I set out to do a 50K with one of my friends who is an ultra runner and one of my favorite running buddies. So we're like, let's pick a day and let's just do it. And in my buildup, I also ran 100 miles in a week, which I've never done before. I like was running a lot. I was running like 70 mile weeks. And then I built up and I did a 100 mile week. It was epic. I loved it. And then this is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast. And I'm your host, Maya Acosta. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast. And I have another bonus episode for you. So Lindsay Welter is a triathlon and running coach. She's a spin instructor, a five-time Ironman finisher, an eight-time marathon finisher, a one-time 50K finisher, along with so many other shorter distance running and triathlon finishes as she has completed. And I'm telling you, I had so much fun speaking with Lindsay as I asked her about recovery and how she gains enough energy and calories uh, to participate in all these uh, physical and strenuous activities. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Maya underscore HLS underscore podcast if you'd like to see all the other reels and posts and content that I'm uploading there. And also, if you're interested in my newsletter, this is where I share additional information about things that you might be interested in, including recipes. That's bit, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Maya Acosta. And as always, you can find the full episode and the links for each of my guests on our website. That's healthylifestylesolutions.org. I hope that you enjoy this episode and find some value in it. I typically don't have athletes on our show, not because we're not interested, just I simply have not reached out. I'll just start off by saying that she has trained a guest that we've had on the show by the name of Andrea Pender. Thank you for being here and you're plant-based. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's wonderful. We'll learn your story of how that happened. I, I want to tell our, our listeners that you have actually trained Andrea Pender, who again, um, goes by the plant-based executive, or at least that at one time that was her handle on Instagram, the plant-based executive. And she and her husband got involved with you. You've coached them, or her husband will, by the way, um, and you have been coaching them. How long have they been running this way? Because I, I, I always knew that she lifted weights and that she exercises, but this whole long distance running and becoming involved with marathons, that's kind of, uh, has it been new to them for like the recent last or two years? Yeah, they were never runners before they started working with me. Um, they reached out to me a, a year and about four months ago and we started working together. They were already, they were athletic their whole lives and they were already lifting weights and they had done their first triathlon together, like just to see how it would go and experience this. And then they wanted to increase their abilities. So that's when they started working with me and together. And it's been really fun to coach them together because they're a couple and they know each other and they push each other. Sometimes they've had similar goals and they'll like race together. And sometimes they have different goals and just support each other. It's really fun. They're great. And it, it helps that we're all plant-based. So talking about the fueling for their racing and their training strategies have been easy because right. it's a lot of things I would do, you know, when I tell them 
what they should do and timing and all that. Yes. So isn't it interesting um, that pa- the pandemic really changed and really enhanced their lives in, in this case, uh, whereas so many people had different, um, you know, faced the pandemic differently. Will went fully plant-based during that time. And that's one reason why Andrea came back for the second time to tell us about what it was like, you know, having been married for X amount of years, and then her husband finally came fully, fully on board. And then because they have been eating so well, now they have this energy, and then they hired you as a coach. Um, So let's learn a little bit about you. Where do you live? Where are you? And um, yeah, we'll start off with with that. And then we'll figure out like how you got involved with just being such an amazing athlete? Oh, thank you. Um, So I'm in upstate New York where it's cold and gloomy, unlike Dallas or Texas in general where you are. (laughs) So um, yeah, I'm born and raised here. And I grew up dancing mainly as my sport. Didn't get into running later in like when I was 19, like after high school. So that's more when I found like athletics in general and working out to stay in shape versus dance just felt like fun and something to do. So, yeah. So it's been since then I'm 32 now. So I've been in the athletics running and fitness in general and working out and lifting weights, all that and healthy eating too. I I got into all that when I was 19 and just kept building. (laughs) I was going to say, no wonder you do not look your age, <laughs> because oh, both components of taking care of your body by exercising and eating well can help help slow down that whole aging process, can it? <laughs> yeah, so. and energy, too. I mean, I've always had a lot of energy, but it hasn't slowed down. And, you know, I contribute that to to working out and eating well and sleep and sleeping well and hydrating. I think that all the components together make a difference. Absolutely. And so did you say you were also introduced to plant-based foods early on at 19? No, I just started learning about healthy eating at 19 because I was an adult at this point. And I was like, I better learn how to cook and, you know, understand what proper diet means And I never struggled with like having a weight issue or anything like that because I've always been active. So, um, but that's when I got into just learning about nutrition and listening to a ton of podcasts and reading a lot of books and having my mom like teach me how to cook, but I didn't get into, I did a ton of different diets, you know, just learning what worked for me. And I didn't get into veganism or plant-based until I, it's about six years ago now. So I was 26 at the time when I got into plant-based. So, and that's been so easy ever since. How did you decide to do, to go on board fully? Um, Because it's a significant change from, you know, being plant curious, incorporating a little plants to finally saying, okay, I'm going to go vegan plant-based. Yes. So at that point, I was already into triathlons and running and lifting. My exercise was high volume and, you know, pretty intense for what I was doing with my body. And so nutrition was really important. And I had a year where I kind of struggled with finding what foods were working. I needed so much nutrition because of the amount of hours I was putting in 
you know, week in, week out for the, for the Ironman. And I started working with a, a nutritionist at that time. And she had me more on a macro plan. She was plant-based or plant-curious herself. And I was a healthy eater. And we were looking at what I was eating. And my protein intake at that time was like 110 grams. That was what her goal was. And when I was eating, I was like, wow, I really have to cut out a lot of meat in order to stay low at this number because there's so many proteins that come from a plant that you don't think about. Like cauliflower was a big one that I was like, well, I could just eat this cauliflower meal and be fine. So I was eating like two ounces of chicken and like a couple eggs. And I was like, that's not even worth buying the chicken. It's not even worth making it. So I made a goal. I was like, I'm going to just cut out all meat for three weeks. Try that. I already was dairy free for a long time because I'm lactose intolerant. That was easy. And so I cut out the meat for three weeks and I just did that gradual. I just only did that. Then I cut out fish for three weeks after that and just kind of got used to that. And then I cut out eggs for three weeks after that. And got used to that. And I told myself in the beginning, if I don't feel good, if my body doesn't respond well, for me, it's not a religion. I don't have to stick to it if I had to go back. But honestly, I felt so good that I never had to go back and I not, I don't miss it. And my body feels good. I don't have, I don't struggle with, like my energy is always good. And it's it's been really easy, sustainable. And honestly, the food is so good. You get lots of variety and I like to cook. So I know how to make it taste good. But um that's been easy ever since. I haven't, you know, it's not a big, it seems so easy. It doesn't seem like a big deal. Sure. Especially when you talk about only being allowed two ounces of chicken for serving, I guess, for your meal. I mean, what does that even look like? It looks like, I I imagine like a a small little little piece. (laughs) Yeah, it felt so weird on a traditional diet where you're like, oh yeah, I have like a mom that's like the size of your palm. And then I'd always eat a lot of vegetables like a big plate of vegetables and, you know, I have, I would have like rice or quinoa or something, but it just felt not even worth it. So what kind of diet does a typical runner have in the first place? We definitely need a lot of carbs. So that is an important component of fueling for, for running events and triathlon events. And I think that the general population of endurance athletes understands that. I think it wasn't until recently, like the past few years, where more runners are curious and being plant-based, and they might even do mostly plant-based. But there are some athletes who do include meat, and you know, you do you, whatever works for you is kind of my attitude. But if you try it, and it like my biggest thing was when I was starting to go plant-based that I didn't want to get what they call skinny fat, um, <laughs> which is bad. Like I'm, I'm relatively thin <laughs> and I have muscle and I wanted to keep that muscle tone. I didn't want to lose that, but that's the whole thing. You're like, you're going to get skinny fat. You're going to lose all your muscle. But it didn't happen. I looked the same after. So, okay. and I know a lot of, even in the bodybuilding world, I know a lot of people in the bodybuilding world thrive off of being plant-based too. Like you can do it. It's just understanding what what foods to go for and understanding what, you know, the, the whole, the big picture, what foods are going to give you inflammation and where the good quality mm-hmm. foods are at. 
Right. Yes. So let's kind of start from the beginning. I'd love to learn um, about your experience, your first experience running a marathon. What was that like? How old were you? How difficult was it? Um, Yeah, the first experience. Yeah. So my first marathon, I was 23. Yes, 23. Um, Yeah. And it was in Washington, D.C. I decided to do the Marine Corps Marathon. So it was a destination. And the course takes you all through the monuments. There's so many runners. I think it's 30,000. And there's spectators all along the way. My family came with me. And it was amazing. I had my training to build. I hired a coach at the time. And my training was such a journey of finding out, you know, pushing past limits. And every week or every few weeks, I would be running a little bit longer. And that was like a whole new territory, figuring out that my body on its own can run 16 miles. It's so cool. And for me, too, it's a great, it was a great opportunity to learn more about myself when you're alone running for two or three hours, you learn a lot about your mental stamina and your toughness and breaking through boundaries. So the race was amazing. There were so many runners and it was just full of good energy. And I had, I had a a goal, but my main goal was to finish. I had a time goal, but the main goal was to enjoy the day, take in the day. It's my first experience. You never get it back. And I saw my family a couple times on course and that was awesome and so motivating And it felt so hard the last six miles, which everybody tells you. And, um, but it was like, you know, you just push through it. And I remember finishing and being like so emotional and crying. And, and my parents and my sister came to the finish line and I got to hang out with them after, you know, you're like delirious because the endorphins (laughs) and a little dehydrated, but then I was hooked. I loved it. Yeah, that's what I thought. Is it like once you complete a marathon, are you hooked? And when you know that you can push your body to these limits, and now you want to do more. Um, And also, it sounds fascinating too to to do it in DC. Like you say, going through the monuments and stuff sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, Um, I highly recommend a destination race for your first big event, like a marathon or Ironman. Maybe not Ironman because of traveling with your bike and stuff, but for a marathon, it was so cool for a big one where there's lots of runners and, you know, taking the energy of, of the event and the crowds. Mm-hmm. And so now the, okay, and this particular race, is it typically held more in the springtime? Because I imagine that during other times of the year, it might be a little cold. That one, I believe, is in the fall. It's in, in October. Fall. Okay. Okay. So now... Uh, a marathon is 26 miles, 26 point two. something. Okay, 26.2 miles. Now, tell us what a mar- uh, an Ironman is or what so, Ironman is. Ironman is a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and then 26.2 mile run. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and you've completed five of those. Yeah. Where have you done these races? I did Lake Placid for my first one. Ironman Louisville three times and Ironman Maryland. Okay, cool. My goodness. And is this something that you, as a coach, I guess you're able to then just live this full time to continue to train for yourself and to participate in the races and at the same time train other people? Absolutely. I think it goes hand in hand. I want to be teaching what I'm doing. I think it's important to 
live the lifestyle and also teach mm-hmm. it. It'd be, you know, I would feel like a fake or a phony if I wasn't also doing what I tell them to do. So, and it's fun. I'm so passionate about it. So I love sharing it and I love teaching what I know to others and how much joy it can bring to your life and, you know, fulfillment of the adventure and finding out more about yourself. So yeah, it's easy for me to share and teach and and coach. So at what point did you decide that you wanted to coach? Um, And I'm also thinking about how you might have experienced a pandemic, whereas perhaps at one point you were working in person with your clients and suddenly were you still, a lot of races were canceled in 2020. Did they pick up again in 2021? Yes. So I start, I wanted to become a coach when I had hired my own coach. I thought back when I was 23, I thought that was so cool. She can do this from anywhere. At the time she lived in Oklahoma and I was in New York. So you could do it from anywhere. And, you know, so I started to do, I started to coach in 2016 and it's always been remote. That was the lucky thing. There's been a handful of times I did in-person training, but because I also have another job, it's been a great way to do it from home and I can fit it in the nooks and crannies of my day and my lifestyle with training and everything else. So luckily I was able to keep coaching through the pandemic. However, a lot of people wanted to stop with coaching because races were canceled. Understandably so. So a lot of people like took a break. They're like, I'm going to take a break. My race is canceled. It doesn't feel, and people felt kind of like a little bit unsure. Like what's the point? And, you know, we kind of had to do what we did. Some, some athletes stayed with me and they were, we focused on different goals at the time. And then some in places where they were able to have races, like in Texas, they were able to have races. So, you know, Andrea and Will were able to train sooner than some of us in New York for actual race and person race. And some people did um, virtual races. So I was just trying to keep people motivated any way that they could. You know, it's better to have like goals and train for something than not do it at all. So I just tried to keep it as let's look at what we can, what we can focus on, what we can do. You're still going to improve your fitness and you'd only regress if you just sit on the couch. So So I'm interested in knowing, like, how do you work with clients, especially since you've always done this remote work? What do you start with when they tell you what their fitness goals are? And then like, how do you put a plan in place for them? Yes. So I have an intake form. I have them fill out before we really get things rolling, which has a lot of questions about their background and their health and their history and race history and like, what equipment do they have to work with? And then I'll usually chat with them a little bit, either through text or email, and then we'll get a a call going. So I'll talk to them first before we even start working together, just to make sure it's a good fit. But yeah, I usually ask them about their history, like what have they done with running or triathlon or any kind of fitness in the past year? And even like their, you know, since they were a kid, just so I get a better sense of who are they as a whole and have they... Are they somebody who's done three sports for like ever? Or are they somebody who is just starting to get into, you know, exercise? It's important to know where they're coming from. And the mental component is a big deal when it comes to endurance sports, because your mindset, it it sounds cliche, but your mind pushes what your body will do. And the better you can get at mastering your mind, the better you're going to get everything else. I mean, really, it trickles into everything. 
everything, work, relationships. So I'm a big um, component of that. And I, what I'll do with some of my athletes is I'll have them sometimes reflect. And when we talk about how did that race go, like, what were you thinking about? Where was your mind? Where was your head? And I'll try to like get, get them to open up because the more comfortable they are talking, then the more I can see where they're where their headspace is at. And so sometimes it becomes counseling a little bit. <laughs> As you're saying that, I'm thinking, gosh, that's being vulnerable. Like if I set out, like if I were to hire you, right, someone who's never been an athlete, but loves the outdoors. So I thrive outdoors. I don't have a problem, say power walking, because <laughs> that's my thing, right? But I love to cycle. I love to hike. Like I love being outdoors. Um, but the gym is the hardest thing for me. There's just something about being inside of a space where people are making all kinds of sounds and showing off. I, sometimes it can be a little bit intimidating, Everybody has their own journey and where they're at too. And people have to be comfortable opening up too. I won't just like force it if they're not comfortable <laughs> sharing like, you know, where their headspace is really at, then then I read between the lines. So that's where it comes. I mean, the better the communication, obviously the more they can get out of it. But if they're not ready to really share, okay, why did, you know, what happened? Why'd you skip this workout? Or why'd you skip like three workouts in a day in a row? Um, then it comes to, okay, let's, let's refocus and like, how can we better manage your time? You know, what are some, like, what's a better chunk of the day that you could fit this in? And also sometimes like the motivation, like how to get them motivated to do it and learning that like discipline sometimes takes just doing it when you don't want to. So there's definitely a variety of of personality types, but that's what makes it fun. When I think of, you know, finding your strong why as a plant-based vegan, I suppose it's the same thing as an athlete, finding your why. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Where do you want to be with all of this? Have you had um, any athletes that have impressed you that you were surprised that um, could achieve it as much as they did? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. And like really excelled. Yeah. To the point where like I cried <laughs> and I tell them <laughs> that too. I'm like, I because it's so, I know the feeling of the hard work that goes into it. And the ones who have been vulnerable with me, like I get really emotional for them. Maybe I'm even more emotional than they are. Like, I'm probably <laughs> like, okay. But, um, it's because I care and I know how hard it takes, how hard that work is. And like the pain that you push through and the things that you sacrifice and the early mornings and the late nights and like packing it in when you can. So, um, yeah, it, it's amazing when they really excel or they're like, you know, placing in their age group a lot or they keep PRing, you know, personal record. They keep doing better and better um, or they're like overcoming their own personal kind of demons. Some of my athletes have gone through that where. You know, it was a struggle to run without stopping and they're able to do it now. Or the, um, I have this guy who just took two minutes off his 100 yard swim and that like I was like, this is a big deal, like shouting for him because I know <laughs> like the fear that goes into swimming for a lot of people, um, the fear of water and like it's yeah, it doesn't feel natural. So, yeah, I get real hyper for them because it's such a big deal. Yeah. So I, to answer your yeah. question, yes. So I saw how Andrea Pender was making things happen when I think at the time the gym's hat shut down, although it looked like in their home, they're pretty set to work out. 
there, but I saw how, she, how they were going to follow through. They were like, well, we're not going to be able to run this year, but we can swim in our backyard, right? We can cycle, we can run, and we're going to just do this and time ourselves um, on their own. And I was just, I was so impressed. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I believe I saw her doing. It's so cool. Yeah, they were training. They have a pool in their backyard. They have an amazing home gym, um, which I believe is in their basement or like a, a nice room. And yeah, they have a lot of equipment. They have indoor bikes and they have their outdoor bikes. But yeah, they did that. They were tr swimming in their pool and the pool is closed, which is like more power to you. You have a little body of water and it's better than nothing. It's safe. It's in your backyard. I think that's right. awesome. And they were just, they're somebody, they are people who take the, what can I do versus what I can't do? That's mm -hmm. what they're focused, their energy. So I love that they did that. That's right. And so right now, how many athletes are you working with? So I have seven right now. I typically stay around 10 or less. It seems mm -hmm. to work well with time management and giving them my full focus and attention. Mm -hmm. So this is what you're doing full time? No, this is my like side <laughs> business. Oh my I'm God. a hairdresser full time. <laughs> oh, really? <Yeah. laughs> You're very talented. <laughs> very skilled. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Okay. I think it helps. I love people. So working with people in the hair industry, I think translates to coaching people too. So Yes, um, and counseling too, because I feel like we always go to our hairdressers or stylists and, and just go on and on about our personal lives. You guys yes. are probably there like, okay, <laughs> what's the story this week? <laughs> it's a safe place. It's somebody who's not attached to your, like, your everyday life. So I get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this 50K, where did you do, complete that one? So the 50K was my pandemic project. I was running all the time to basically <laughs> deal with the pandemic. I was running a lot. The gyms were closed, so I wasn't teaching spin classes. So I was running every day. I literally ran every day since like basically the world closed for over <laughs> a year. I did that for over a year. So my mileage was really high and I thought, you know what? There's not any races any time in the near future. So uh -huh. let me try something different. And so I set out to do a 50K with one of my friends who is an ultra runner and mm -hmm. one of my favorite running buddies. So we're like, let's pick a day and let's just do it. And in my buildup, I also ran a hundred miles in a week, which I've never done before. <sighs> I like was running a lot. I was running like 70 mile weeks and then I built up and I did a, eight, a hundred mile week. It was epic. I loved it. And then I had nothing else to do. I'd come <laughs> home, I'd eat, I'd recover, I'd sleep, I'd run again. Like it was cool. So a few weeks after that, we did the 50K in one day, and it was awesome. It was when, you know, you really could do anything. Everything was closed, so we picked a route um, that goes through some beautiful trails and beautiful scenery that I've never ran in, in locally. We brought our packs with lots of food. My parents are my biggest supporters, and they, they were like, we wish we could track you. We'll come. We want to support. They always come to my races. So they came <laughs> at halfway in their Ironman support crew t-shirts and it was the pandemic. So they had masks on and they brought us <laughs> Gatorade water snacks and like took our pictures. It was like, it was a race and they're like, we right. wish we could track you again, but we don't want to stalk you and your friends. So that was so cool. Then we kept yeah. running. I was with um three, I had three friends, my one main friend and a couple other friends. We stopped at a gas station, got slushies. 
Like we kept running. Cool. It was amazing. It was it was so fun. And then the end of it was just me and my friend Steve. And it's like sunny and hot. And we're like, you know, you just it was awesome. And I was feeling like my hips were tight. And he does this stuff like he does way more bigger races than me. So he's like feeling nothing. But it was amazing. It felt good to accomplish it and finish it. We like celebrated and um, you know, so it might have not been official, but for the sake of 2020. A lot of my friends are like, no, that counts. <laughs> so it does count to me. It does. I mean, this is real effort and training that you put into making this happen. And how did it, how long did it take you to complete that? It was five hours and something. My pace was like a 10. <laughs> I think I did it with a 10 45 minute mile pace. Um, so I think I have it written down and it's in my training log, but I think it was like five hours and some minutes. Um, wow. For 31 miles. <laughs> so it was awesome. It was a great day. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was. It's very memorable. I mean, just telling the story, I, I imagine you doing that. And it's, uh, it sounds very inspiring, too, that you could create something for yourself that gave you a sense of purpose at that time when so many of us were going through stress. Yes. So it's a stress reliever. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you were just talking about recovery. So one of the questions that I always have for athletes uh, that I always wonder is, say you're plant-based, but in many ways I can look very different for everyone. Uh, it could be more carb-heavy, more potatoes, like sweet potatoes, or it could be more like pastas. Um, what does a typical week look like for you just as a, a marathoner, a runner, uh, athlete, what does a week look like for you? And then when you're just hitting the gym or training, not training for a marathon, but when you're just going to work out, what do you consume before? And then what do you consume to recover? Because someone like myself who has never been an athlete and started cycling at one point, I realized, oh my God, you have to recover. You have to give yourself something after um, exercise. Otherwise you feel like crap. Yeah, you feel like a, a train hit you if you don't, if you don't feel property, properly. So that is very important and a great question. So typically um, in the morning before I, I do any of my training, I'll have, depending on how much time I have before my workout, I'll have, if it's a, like, if I have only like 30 minutes to get on the go, I'll have a banana, a little peanut butter. Or I'll have a little bit of applesauce and, and granola or rice cereal. It's, it's easy to digest. If I have more time, like an hour or two or three hours before my first training session, I'll eat something bigger like oatmeal with peanut butter and some fruit, bananas, kiwi. I'm like obsessed with kiwi right now. Or I'll have toast or bagel and peanut butter and banana. Um, that's That's a great it's simple. It's easy to digest and easy to, once it digests, you can run and it's a good fuel source. Those are my typical go-to in the morning. They're kind of bland. And then afterwards, also intra workout is very important. If the workout is longer than an hour, you're going to need to take in some energy, whether it's through gels or through dried fruit or energy bars or they make these powders that you can use that basically have electrolytes and carbs in them that you can drink, mix it with water. So I definitely take in, in some of that along with aminos and electrolytes and 
Um, that's pretty much it. Sometimes I'll take beet juice before a workout as well. So yeah, if the workout's longer, I definitely take in calories during. And then after the workout, I'll eat. Sometimes I'll have a protein shake with like a vegan protein powder and lots of fruit, oatmeal, peanut butter, almond milk, and sometimes chia seeds, whatever I have at home. And then I'll eat like something you can like really sit down and eat like a bigger meal, whether it's like a bunch of cooked vegetables with quinoa and tofu, um, you know, meals like that with avocado. And then I'll, I'm snacking a lot. So I do eat more frequently. Um, then I'll have a snack that's like almond milk yogurt with fruit and nuts and granola. That's like my favorite snack right now peanut butter in there. And then later on for dinner, I'll have more vegetables or a big salad with tofu and I'll put lots of stuff in it. And, um, so just a variety, you know, and then usually at, then I'll have more snacks throughout the night. Sometimes I'll have energy bars throughout the day, like in between, if I'm like on the go, that's like a quick fix when you're driving. And then, um, in the evening, I'll usually have another snack that are like my, guilty pleasure, like popcorn and like vegan chocolate. <laughs> but I do feel that having balance with eating things that might not like be only vegetables, like it's good to have those like little fixes, at least in my opinion, so that you're not like craving it like ravenous. So I do need a lot of calories. So I do. That's why I space it out throughout the day. It's very important. If I don't eat enough, then like you said, I feel like trash or garbage later in the day. Yes, it, it makes sense too that um, spacing out your calorie intake and, and snacking to stay fueled throughout the day makes a lot of sense when you're an athlete. Um, because usually when we sit down and have a meal, we may, there, and if it's a full meal, then you have, you feel heavy, right? You feel it's difficult to work out. I probably, um, but I can see how they could be so good for even as we're exploring, you know, how to hike and be more outdoors. You need those short snacks, those easy snacks with um, enough nutrients to keep you going, enough energy to keep you going. Absolutely. And I find that when I'm more in heavy training, I go for the full calorie foods versus like the diet foods. They're like only 30 calories. <laughs> I go for the 100 calorie version because I need. I need the calories and nutrients, but I'm not like extremely hungry, if that makes sense. I know that I need more calories, but it's hard to eat that much um, when I'm in training. So for athletes that are in higher volume training where you're putting in a lot of hours in a week, yeah, sometimes you have to go for the not not the diet food. But when you're when I'm like in my what I call off season and I'm not training at that high volume, then mm -hmm. it's easier because I don't have to eat as much, but you know, That's and right. I don't have to like slam it in all day. It's definitely easier. It's hard to eat a lot, which sounds silly, but, um, that's some, so for athletes that are training for something, sometimes you do need a little bit of that junk food. That's a higher calories. Um, because it's better to have more nutrients for your body to use than to not have enough. That's right. what I found in my personal experience and from 
just yeah. being in the in the endurance community. And I'm so glad that you say that. It it is true. I remember hearing a panel. Uh, um, there was a panel discussion happening at one of those veg fests that I attended, and they had everyone from the physician, the plant based physician, to the vegan athletes. And one of those athletes actually did say, "If you ever meet a plant based vegan who tells you they don't eat junk food, they're lying." <laughs> Because he was just like, we basically can't hold a whole like cup of beans or certain things that are hard to digest when you're prepping uh, for whatever event or or run that you're, um, you know, preparing for. So yeah, it makes sense that you have to take sort of the shorter route in some ways to get very high calorie rich foods into your system so that you can perform better. Yeah, I love hearing that. I totally agree. <laughs> It's, it's a lot easier to eat. Like, and it sounds funny. My, um, my spin class was like, Lindsay, you eat that candy. That's all sugar. I was like, yeah, it helps me when I bike and run. Um, but that's easier to digest than if I were to eat like on the banana or bananas, easy bananas, the good one. That's a better one. But, um, but sometimes those things are easier to digest during or before then. Yeah. Then like, the, yeah, there's certain foods and meal timing matters, like the beans thing. Because I'm imagining like a, a bowl of papaya may taste good and all of that, but can feel very heavy. Like you can feel it because of the water content. Yeah. <laughs> you can probably feel it all moving around. So I have a question since we're talking about food. Um, well, two things. Um, I know that you're active on social media, especially your Instagram account. Um, it's clear, it's obvious what you do for a living. Do you promote yourself as a vegan plant-based athlete? And that's one question. And the other one is, what about your athletes? Do you basically meet them wherever they are and sort of tackle only the, the um, fitness goals that they have? Or do you talk about nutrition as well? Good question. So I used to talk about being a vegan athlete online on my social media. And then I f- forgot. I don't know what happened. I think I got into, um, I don't know. I forgot on my Instagram stories. I'll like tag vegan when I'm <laughs> posting my food and stuff, but I don't post it on my main feed. I don't really know why. Um, I don't know why I stopped. It wasn't for any purpose, but that's a good idea. I should start doing that again. I think I got more into posting like tips and stuff, but that I can share vegan tips. Right. Um, well, and, and it's not a criticism at all. I, I think that sometimes if we market ourselves a certain way, we may push away others. So when I look at your Instagram, it's just very, um, it's a very comfortable and, and um, it's a wonderful feed on your Instagram account. I understand where you're coming from. I, I never wanted to feel preachy about it. I guess when I went vegan, I was like, I'm doing this for myself. I don't care what you guys do. Um, it never felt like, I mean... Maybe I just don't know the right way to word it and to other people, but I, and this kind of goes hand in hand with your second question. Um, I tend to meet my athletes where they're at with their food because I don't do meal plans, but I do include, include, I do include helping them with diet suggestions and I definitely include what to do before, during, and after your workouts for food. 
but I will meet them where they're at because I think that diet can be very personal and people have relationships with food and I don't do that. I'm not a dietitian or, or nutritionist and to include that aspect in my coaching, I think I would have to get a different certification in addition and also expand my service more. So I, I haven't wanted to do like the diet plans, but I will give advice that can help. So I'll meet them with their, where they're at with what foods they like. So I'll give them options like do A, B, or C or something like that before. And then I'll give them options during and then options after. Basically, if it's like if they're getting the right kind of calories and enough carbs and a little bit of the right balance. And mm-hmm. if they're really interested and want to know more, we can get into it in a conversation. Or if they, yeah. I've had some athletes in the past ended up needing more of a dietitian or a nutritionist, if they really want to go more into it. I just, for me personally with coaching, it's a little broad to get, you know, into their diet. Yes. No, I mean, you cover a lot of areas areas as it is. So yeah, I get it. Those are always questions that the rest of us wonder, what do you eat (laughs) to stay, (laughs) you know, to stay physically healthy, to have this energy um, for endurance, um, you know, for recovery. Um, Oh, okay. So another question is, um, what are some common concerns or fears that people have when coming into this world as a, as an endurance athlete? Common concerns, are they going to be fast enough by their race? Th- that's a big one. Um, are they going to have enough time? Sometimes that's their concern, um, that they don't have enough time. Time to train? Time to train. Um, some of their concerns will be, you know, how, how to get better, how to improve and be more efficient in the pool and swimming. And some of them have been concerned about bike handling skills, like being out on the road, um, clipping in. That's been a big one for some of my newer triathletes. Like they're afraid to clip in. We have shoes that you clip into the bike. I'm like, Um, I'm scared of that. (laughs) Oh, yes. And you know what? It's okay. You have to be ready. And I've worked with athletes on ways, like steps to get there. But that's a big one. Um, Sometimes people are afraid of running certain kind of races or they're afraid of hills um, or they're afraid of strength training. <laughs> that, that's been a concern. Like they don't like it or they're um, intimidated to go into a gym or intimidated mm-hmm. to take a class. Um, so that those are concerns. I would say um, concerns also uh, weight loss. I've had a lot of athletes. That's a concern and a goal of theirs also while training. So we have worked on stuff like that. Do you have people that have overweight issues that you've worked with? Yeah. Yeah, I I do. Yeah. And, you know, I want to meet them where they're at. And I know that it can be an emotional thing. And, you mm-hmm. know, some people are self-conscious and I, I want them to feel safe and comfortable talking to me about it. And I don't push weight loss if they bring it up that's, that's their goal. And yeah, I, I don't have them weigh themselves or track their, their weight loss. If they do that Mm -hmm. and they want to, that's great. And I, I make it safe. Like, tell me how it's going. Um, because triathlon and running is not always like a weight loss kind of thing. I'm, I'd rather them find like a healthy, sustainable 
lifestyle that will support getting to that weight that you want to get. And I think that they kind of come hand in hand. And if you are mostly yes. eating, eating well and training well, your body will start to get to that point. Um, so, and that's more of a diet thing. I think that's why I don't focus on that. I don't want them to feel self-conscious about their bodies. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want them. I guess I don't want that to be a goal that we focus on. And I think that if you focus on your performance in swimming, biking and running and lifting, you're going to feel more confident. It's like, okay, I swam this fast this week versus, oh, I lost two pounds this week. So that's more my focus as a triathlon and running coach. Where if you want like a weight loss yeah. coach, I think I'd be more of a dietitian. Yeah. Yeah. I, same here. I don't focus on weight loss either. I just, um, I find it fascinating that there are many people, I say there are many, probably just a handful, but you hear of people who have never exercised before. They come into this way of eating, you know, uh, whole food plant-based and suddenly they're running marathons. <laughs> and it's amazing to me how many people, how many stories you hear. Uh, there is one particular guy that I've been trying to get on the podcast, but he's like, I'm not doing public anything public anymore. He wrote a book about his dog. Um, basically the dog influenced him to get out and walk. So, so he decided that he, he wanted a dog and his doctor was the one, she was plant-based. She was the one that said, well, you need to lose a little bit of weight and you need to go plant-based. So he bought a dog so that he could have a companion. And he basically, uh, he adopted a dog or rescued a dog that was about the same um, physical level as, as he was. And over time, they got out a little bit more and a little bit more around the corner from where he lived and walked half a mile before you know it, a mile. And eventually he became a marathoner. And I think that's such a beautiful story because this whole entire time, in his life, he had battled with weight issues. And then suddenly he changed his perspective and not so much focused um, on food and how food um, controlled him, but he focused on building this relationship with his dog and that whole lifestyle led him to where he was. And I just love to hear those stories. Oh, I love that it's, story. Right? I know. Oh, it's like, oh. That's so beautiful. And the dog, I, keep, I mean, anybody who's a dog lover... That is so yes. heartfelt and something they can yeah. do. Together. And my dog gets me out. I'm I'm a, a first time mom, a uh, dog mom, and I'm now running. And I'm not a runner, but I Yay. run him because he's a little min pin and he has a lot of energy. And so in order for him to kind of be a little calm during the day, I have to get him out every day. And it's so good for our health um, in general. But um, I can go on and on about that. So tell us, like, what would you advise people who are not necessarily athletic right now? What do you have any tips in terms of how we can get started towards just a more physical activity? Yes, absolutely. So just start moving and find an activity that you like you not your friend, not your coworker, because the at the end of the day, you want it to be consistent and you want to enjoy it. Maybe start taking a class at the gym with a lot of other people that is a motivating mm -hmm. class. If you're local, they can come to my spin class. But um, it, I find that group exercise is really motivating. There's other people there, there's music, and a fun instructor makes the whole experience. And whatever it is, just if it's something that you enjoy, it's easier to stick to. Walking is always a good place to start. Walking is, is mm -hmm. always going to be good. 
it's good for everything. Mm -hmm. Dancing is awesome. And that can be, you know, if, if you're somebody who likes to dance and likes rhythm, you can dance at home with music on. And that's considered nice. a workout. It doesn't have to be at a class. It doesn't have to be structured. Um, and maybe once a week you walk to the grocery store or something. I think that, you know, we've lost so much of that with cars. Mm -hmm. So maybe, or parking farther away, like ways to in include it. And don't think of it as workout. My dad's like, I don't like to work out, but I got my dad secretly into biking and, um, biking feels fun for him. He doesn't like the word exercise or workout, but biking is fun for him. So I think finding the thing that feels like fun and doesn't feel like a workout, I think is good for people who are, you know, have that, have, don't want to get into it, want to get into it, but you know, are hesitating. That's right. And um, that's how I got involved in cycling too, is the simple fact that I wanted to be more outdoors. And anyway, I love to get on the bike, but I will tell you, I don't know if I'll ever do a race because I participated in the kind of community outings that happen in some, in some areas. And these people are wild on the road. I mean, they're doing willies or I don't know how you say it, but you know, they're cutting here and there, the, some of these cyclists. And um, I get scared, actually, the whole, th I'm, I'm afraid to get caught up in all of that and end up injured. So <laughs> oh. that's my excuse. <laughs> oh, I understand. Um, well, if you ever did, you can train in a safer, go to a safer area. I don't know if you live in a big city, but like country roads are safer, group rides are safer. Right. And there's a lot of indoor options. I would show you my bikes right over here. Um, but there's a lot of indoor options too. But you like you do like to yes. ride. So, you know, it's all yep. at your own pace in a safe environment is the most it, important thing. Yeah. And I love to swim. Although I, I can see now for training you, how um, training to be more efficient in your techniques when you're swimming. I could use some of that too. But I can see how improving every step of the way can get you to be a triathlon if you really are a triathlete if you if that's something that you wanted to do how realistic is that as well like how how uh how easy is it to just take one sport cycling or running um and then switch or you know any of those sports um and then switching it over to becoming a triathlete so if you've already been running or cycling like that was just your sport and you did that for a while it's, you have already the advantage of having an aerobic engine that you've built in your body. So you have the capacity to work out for an hour at a time or, or longer. So I have had athletes that mm -hmm. were marathoners and then they became triathletes. And for them, it wasn't as hard because they already had the consistency. They were diligent with exercise and they were fit. So it was more, some of the struggles have been learning technique in the water or not being afraid of the water or um, getting stronger on the bike where, you know, if they were a good yeah. runner, they might be kind of weak on the bike. But um, I think if you already ha are into one of the sports, it's not as hard of a translation because you're already, you like pushing yourself and you like pushing to the next level mm -hmm. and you like a challenge. So actually that, I think it's not that hard. I think if with the right guidance and, and attention, you can do it. Great. And um, is there anything else that I should have asked? My one other piece of advice would be if, you know, if you were able to take away anything from this episode, it's and you want to make positive changes whether to becoming more fit or leaning towards more plant based while being, you know, active, just do one focus on one piece at a time, just focus on one change at a time, don't try to do all of it. And 
I find that that will lead you to more success. If you just master that one skill, maybe it's just giving up cheese for, for a month, or maybe it's just focusing on that swimming technique for a month that, you know, mm-hmm. then you can master that one skill and get better and then move to the next challenge. You know how you hear that expression that you cannot outrun a bad diet? So if we want to get physically active, it still helps to clean up our diet. Otherwise, we feel lethargic and we have less energy. So we still have to kind of prioritize diet a little bit to then get out and be physically active. Or we can start both. But um, I find that spending time in nature motivates me to do more physically. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I might say, yeah, I eat a little bit of sugar and candy sometimes when I'm training, but the in the majority of the rest of my exercise time, like when you look at my whole diet, the majority of it is very clean. So that goes mm-hmm. back to like cleaning up your diet. Like what are the processed foods that might be causing a lot of inflammation in your diet that might not be good, but maybe mm-hmm. you've been used to eating. So I do totally agree with that. Yeah. If you do want to lose weight, you do have to start with the diet. There's no way around it. (laughs) Oh, so I I forgot to ask since we were talking about uh, working out. So what are uh, good ways to recover after exercising? Should we have a green smoothie? Um, Should we drink lots of water? What what do you typically do after a good workout? I'll include some electrolytes. So I like liquid IV or SOS. Those are my current favorites. Yes. Um, with a decent amount of water, sometimes 16, maybe 32 ounces and just, you know, sip on it. And then I do like a smoothie because it's easy to get down. Cause sometimes after a workout, your mm-hmm. appetite is suppressed a little bit. And I think mm-hmm. it's important to eat within that hour and really ideally more like that 30 minute mark. I found that that works best for me. So I do like a smoothie. Mm-hmm. I do like the Vega protein powder, that brand. It's really great. It's um, the one, the sport Vega sport protein has 30 grams of protein and it's, it's a, it's a good quality um, powder. And I'll mix that with almond Mm -hmm. milk or soy milk. And you can put any kind of fruit in it and blend it up in your Ninja. And if you want more carbs, then I'll, I usually add oats to it and a little bit of peanut butter. I feel like that's a perfect blend, easy to get down um, green, green smoothies are also really good. Throw in some spinach in there. That's my personal favorite. They also help reduce inflammation, right? Because we do create some inflammation, um, from excessive exercise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think if you're, if you're curious in trying triathlon or running, I say, go for it. Don't let that doubt hold you back. And just go for it. If there's a if there's a goal you want, reach out to a mentor or a friend who have done it or a coach or somebody who can give you some advice, do some reading or listen to a podcast on, you know, how to get to that marathon or how to get to that triathlon. And um, I think go for it because it creates so much more joy and adventure and you find out more about who you are as a person in the journey. I agree. So are there any athletes that uh, inspire you? that get you wanting that that are sort of like role models for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, definitely a lot of the pro triathletes, but um you know, on a more, you know, not top 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 of the level, but yeah, there's a few that are like really active on social media and I find that they're they're really motivating and they're real, like they're relatable. Um and they're putting in a lot of good, a lot of work in a lot of effort. And I find that really inspiring. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, 
So yeah, um, I think that Instagram has a lot of that. You can find people that seem relatable and might have achieved, Mm -hmm. you know, bigger, bigger, you know, goals or bigger, fast, they're a lot faster than you. So I do find a lot of inspiration just through the Instagram community. Okay, so what is the best way for people to contact you if they're interested in learning more about you or even hiring you as a coach? So I'm very active on Instagram. My handle is Fit. So it's Linz, L-I-N-Z-A-N-I-T-Y-F-I-T. Um, I'm very active on there. You can message me. Um, I also have an email that you can reach out to, which is the same, lindsayanityfit at yahoo.com. Those are my main okay. two. I'm on I'm on Facebook as well, Lindsay Welter, or you can find my coaching page, lindsayanityfit. Those, those are my main sources. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you know, thank you for taking the time to talk to us, give us some tips on how we can get started on moving a little bit more. And then, of course, on what kind of foods we can also take in to have more energy. So thank you, Lindsay, for your time. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave an honest review as well at ratethispodcast.com forward slash HLS. This helps us to spread our message. And as always, thank you for being a listener. 